You're listening to CJSW 90.9 FM, broadcasting out of Calgary, Alberta at the University of Calgary campus radio station located on Treaty 7 land. I would like to take this opportunity to acknowledge the traditional territories of the people of the Treaty 7 region in southern Alberta. The city of Calgary is also home to the Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3. My name is Cullen, and you're listening to the Keeping Green podcast on CJSW 90.9 FM. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today is actually my first time hosting the show. I took over for Emily, so I'm very excited to hop right into it with you guys. So for my first time listeners, the Keeping Green podcast is a podcast more oriented around environmentalism and green altogether. And when I was thinking about things to record today's episode on, I found out earlier this week the Eagle Club actually held a pop-up vintage shop or thrift store that was absolutely free. So it was completely done by donations from University of Calgary students hosted by the Eco Club. And that kind of got me thinking into the textile industries and then also the sustainability and kind of ethics around clothing shopping and textile manufacturers and manufacturing recently. So I kind of wanted to delve into that a bit today, kind of talk about it. I'm currently a University of Calgary student studying environmental sciences and sustainability, uh, also a little minor in French. So if any of my French listeners are listening in, bonjour. I am not a native speaker. I'm so sorry. But thank you again for joining me. So kind of going into this, we were focusing on some sustainable development goals. And the sustainable development goals are goals set in 2015 by the UN to kind of guide the world or everybody part of the United Nations to a more sustainable future. So they outlined 17 goals. But we are focusing on three goals. So the three goals that we're kind of focused on were the sustainable development goals 12, 14, and 15, which are responsible consumption and production, life below water, and life on land. So kind of delving into that is responsible consumption and production. And I find it really interesting within the textile industry and also just clothing and fashion, how much people throw out. And I'm sure a bunch of you, if not all of you, have heard the term fast fashion. And fast fashion is basically described as clothing designs that move quickly from fashion magazines to stores and online retailers in order to follow the trend cycle. Uh, And this tends to lead to making products for very cheap, uh, outsourcing the labor from different countries, and then having it shipped back here so everybody can be up to the latest trends in fashion. Unfortunately, that leads to a bunch of, with the outsourcing of material and labor, leads to a lot of exploitative labor in the global south kind of with this today i want to talk about responsible consumption as well and trying to focus our consumption away from places that don't push a lot of effort into their sustainability and ethics behind the company and unfortunately it's a lot more than you think um and with that being said there are a lot of companies that take part in this thing called greenwashing and if you haven't heard of greenwashing um i'm going to pull up the definition but to me, in my my layman's terms, if you will, I would describe it as a way as a company to push and come off to consumers as more environmentally friendly when it might not be that case. So pulling up from one of my favorite sources, uh, Wikipedia, uh, it has greenwashing defined as a form of marketing spin in which green PR and green marketing are deceptively used to persuade the public that an organization's products, aims, and policies are environmentally friendly. So you may be asking yourself, how do we fix this issue? Um, It is a very multifaceted issue. It's insanely complex, unfortunately. That's why I kind of wanted to focus mainly around clothing items. 
So more or less bridging that gap. A lot of people and smaller companies mostly are pushing towards a circular economic model, which is an economic model that focuses on the longevity of products, as well as reusing these products by giving them a second life. To go a little bit further on this, we're going to talk to my friend Ainsley, who is currently at MRU doing her honors thesis on circular economies. So I'm going to get her on the phone and I'll let her talk a bit more about herself and the circular economic model. Ainsley? Hi. Hi, how are you doing today? Good, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Very excited to be speaking to you. First, I was wondering if you could introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about what you're studying. So, my name's Ainsley. I'm a fourth-year MRU student. I'm studying business general management, and then my minor is called social innovation, which, if you don't know what it is, it's basically like sort of companies trying to help society in a bigger way to kind of give their mark onto a social cause. And I'm doing my honors thesis, so I'm doing it on the circular economy and specifically in the fashion industry. So kind of how the circular economy opposes fast fashion and sort of I'm going to take like a systematic approach to talking about how it can become the new normal for a lot of fashion brands to kind of promote circular production trends in their marketing and in their production to sort of give a more sustainable future to fashion. So I'm really excited to get more into that in my thesis. That is yeah. so cool. When did you decide to uh, choose this topic? Well, this is actually pretty recent for me. I, uh, I'm almost done my degree, but I decided to just kind of squeeze in an honors thesis at the end. So I decided only a couple months ago at the beginning of the semester. Awesome. That is super exciting. Uh, and that's kind of why I brought you on here because you know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> and it also aligns kind of with what I want to talk about with today. Do you mind explaining kind of what like circular economy is, especially how it relates to the fashion industry? Yeah, for sure. So I've obviously mostly focused on it in the fashion perspective, but it's obviously a part of the bigger economy as a whole. But it's basically like opposing linear economic models that basically will discard an input after it's used. So it's the typical, you produce something, you're done using it, you it goes to the landfill and the landfills build up. So the circular economy is different where instead of that, it uses a continuous loop um, with its production. So it's sort of will upcycle and recycle garments once their life's over. Basically just a loop of just continuing to do it and the landfills won't build up and we will have a better environment as a whole with the circular economy. That is awesome. I know I was doing a little bit of research beforehand and I didn't realize how much textiles actually get thrown out and also just how much textile production and fast fashion adds to global pollutants, including like water and and all that stuff. So it's very exciting stuff. It's actually crazy, yeah. It's it's crazy that it's like such a big part of the the fashion textile industry that a lot of people I feel like don't think about. But you know, mm-hmm. the fast fashion idea where you use up, you, there's a very trendy item and then it kind mm-hmm. of goes out of style and you kind of just want to keep shopping, keep buying stuff. It's it's definitely a huge part of of the fashion industry. Yeah, absolutely. And as seeing kind of you wear what you wear in your style, how do you kind of go about that? What's your your kind of first line of defense as a person? Um, going in and and taking into your own hands. Yeah, I I sort of got into this uh, idea for my thesis because of my lifestyle, because I kind of got super into the secondhand shopping scene, especially in Calgary. I feel like there's a lot of growing Mm -hmm. businesses right now in Calgary. And I just feel like it's something that I don't see enough people talk about. And I just, I have such an interest in fashion in general. And I felt like this is a really good way to get into that a little bit more, especially just because I I see brands demonstrating this in Calgary. Pretty cool. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I know I'm I'm a huge fan of thrifting. 
uh, mm-hmm. as well. Just it's it's fun. It's different, and you can always find unique pieces of clothing. Um, exactly, which are so fun. It's like a treasure hunt. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you never it's know so what fun. you're gonna find there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to share? I know it wasn't a super long interview. I just wanted to have you on talk about it um, to help our listeners kind of get an understanding of what circular economies are and the thoughts that you're having and work putting towards your uh, honors thesis. Yeah, I don't know. I just want to say, like, just try to, it's just really fun to get involved in it and to learn how many brands out there aren't well known enough that are actually just displaying this, like the uh, the company you, you talked to me about, The Ecologist, mm-hmm. was super cool example of that so it's just it's a really good way to sort of learn like what there is out there and what unsustainable practices there currently are with a lot of popular brands and how there's other brands that should be should get the recognition for what they're doing for the circular economy mm-hmm. yeah that's dope yeah i i recognize like i went to the mall the other day for the first time in a while um after doing a little bit of research and talking to you as well and just kind of being like where do i what can i get here that isn't <laughs> like awful for the environment um, that isn't contributing to fast fashion but yeah like you mentioned there are brands out there that are really doing putting in work towards uh, a more sustainable future and some more sustainable fashion which i think is awesome yeah it's really it's really exciting that it's kind of a growing industry so I'm, i'm excited to do some more research on it yes yes and please keep me updated i'm super excited if you are able to send me your thesis when you're done it i will go in with an open (laughs) heart and open eyes i really want to learn more yeah of Uh, course i'm going to be doing like an actual case study next (gasps) like semester so that's when the actual research will start yeah Yeah. okay awesome awesome well i'm so excited to hear it well best of luck with that as well um and thank you so much for taking the time out today to uh to get on this call and talk to people about little bit more about sustainable fashion and Thanks the circular economy me. yes of course absolutely anytime anyway thank you so much really appreciate bye. it okay bye-bye bye so that was my conversation with ainsley so smart i think the work she's doing and kind of looking into is so important uh, especially with the increase of fast fashion and brands that support it unfortunately so I think people doing more work into it is absolutely fantastic. Um, and kind of one thing she mentioned was just looking into the possibilities of thrifting and stuff like that and just how you can change and mitigate the amount of clothes you throw away every year and make sure you don't really hook on to fashion brands and also trends. I found recently I'm kind of getting more into the fashion uh, industry or not industry fashion game if you will in doing so I really had to take into consideration my consumption levels and how I could be a part of this kind of fashion game and still be ethical and sustainable that being said you have to make sure that it is needs versus wants and things that are going in for a long time that you're going to have and that's kind of why I really enjoy thrifting and it's also especially with younger people especially in Calgary enjoy thrifting and use it as a way to meet people and have created a community based around thrifting, which is so cool. Though that being said, I believe in this city, there is a bit of a resurgence almost. It it was more in the last two years. There was a surgence of vintage resellers, which I think is awesome. I understand there's a place for vintage. Uh, Anything that is old and unique and antique is always worth a little bit more just because of appreciating values. And I don't think that's an issue at all. I find that an issue may arise when the reselling envelops everyday commodities. And I find that reselling uh, is a little bit of a double-edged sword just because it allows for people who don't have the time to go thrifting 
to shop a curated selection of clothing that they'd be more interested in instead of going and and buying firsthand from companies that don't have a really ethical and sustainable business model. And conversely, kind of the other side of this this double-edged sword, I found that resellers do have a lot of time to go out and buy clothing, and that's obviously an opportunity cost because they have the time to go and spend hours sorting through racks and finding the good quality of clothing, and that's allowing them to create this curated selection and, and sell at a little bit of a higher rate. Um, but I do find that this allows for people with other jobs and not the same uh, opportunities to kind of slip through the cracks. And then obviously this could be averted by more people giving up their used clothing to thrift shops, which would increase the number of quality pieces. Um, I know that 15% in Canada, 15% of clothing is thrifted and the other 85% is thrown out. And I think I read that on, it was Waste Reduction Week in Canada was the site. And kind of in conjunction with that, thrift stores have been increasing their prices quite drastically over the past couple of years with people going in because they realize that, hey, this is a good, people want it, so we can increase the price based off of market costs. And because they are lower than the original sellers, they can kind of pick and choose what they want to do with the costs. And this puts the underprivileged and marginalized groups kind of in the same spot they started off with, where they don't have access to quality clothes that are going to last and kind of have to turn to different spots to get it where it's cheaper and unfortunately not the same quality. For example, people would be more inclined to go to places like big box stores and superstores in order to obtain clothing for cheap. I mean, a $5 t-shirt is pretty hard to beat. So this is where I kind of find that the biggest gap is in the way of transitioning to a circular economy is having people have accessible clothing that is cheap because though things can be sustainable and these very expensive brands can throw out a sustainably sourced ethically sourced vest for $400, um, people don't have that luxury and kind of have to do what they can do best given their circumstances. So if we close this gap of accessible clothing for people who can't afford the really, really nice stuff and kind of take advantage of thrift shops and have more people putting things into thrift stores in order for people to have more choices and it not to be too oversaturated with people who can't afford other stuff and choose to go to the thrift stores. So closing this gap, I think, would be the best way to kind of transition into a circular economy because it allows for the end of the life cycle to not be the end and hence how the circular economy works. So moving forward, I know we've talked a lot about consumption and production uh, and just kind of how to do it more ethically in the issues kind of around thrifting and patterns of consumption. But I really wanted to delve in more on patterns and quantity of consumption because I found even with myself, again, going back to me getting a little bit more into thrifting, just really having to take into consideration how much I'm purchasing and kind of what is a good level for me that isn't too indulgent, but still <laughs> satisfies that need. So something I was actually talking to with one of my close friends around his consumption levels is he hasn't bought a new article of clothing in, I think it was just over three years, uh, aside from undergarments and socks which is insane and i and i find him to be quite quite fashionable and always looking good so it is possible and kind of talking to him about it and kind of his ideology around that and how he's been able to mitigate his consumption levels and i found out after talking to him he does a lot of his own stitching and fixing of old clothing so if it's something 
he can't fix. Again, most things are, are just a YouTube video away um, and able to learn things, which is so nice about the internet. There's just so much vast amount of knowledge all over the place. So he uses that skill to prolong the life of his clothing. And also, if he's interested in something and he thinks something is worth the price or needs to be added to his closet, he puts it on a list, puts the price next to it, and lets it sit there for like a year. Um Almost like people do with tattoos where they're like, here's an idea that I have. I'm going to write it down, come back to it in six months to 12 months and see if I still like it. If then, cool, we can commit to that. Um, So I thought it was really interesting to kind of come at clothing buying at that level of consciousness um, and put that much thought into it, which I found was so cool. And I I admire him a lot for that. And I just think it's so cool uh, looking at it from this way and thinking about if we took this same method of thinking and expanded it either nationwide or internationally and everybody kind of put this much thought towards their clothing how much that could take away from pollutants and resource extraction and usage for textiles and also just uh how much clothing goes into the landfill so i really (laughs) i give my thanks to my friend just kind of putting that into perspective people can do this and people are doing it uh, which is very inspirational to me and i think that's something i want to work towards and hopefully you guys listening can do that as well. And that kind of moves the conversation on to ethical and sustainable consumption and kind of what the difference is between ethical consumption and sustainability. So I find a lot of things are sustainable but not ethical. So I guess as an overarching statement, I would make the claim that ethical consumption is sustainable but not all sustainable consumption is ethical. So looking to kind of like what I mentioned previously with thrift stores, how there is a sustainable model there. You can go and buy stuff and you're not contributing to more pollutants, but there's the ethical aspect of people are buying these clothes and reselling them to people who can pay more money and it kind of marginalizes groups of people who can't afford that and it's raising the prices of thrift stores. So kind of how you balance that and really focus on the ethics of consumption because looking into sustainable (laughs) consumption, a lot of places are selling garments and different pieces of clothing for 100 to $400, depending on what it is, which to me I understand because they are internalizing a lot of costs that they would normally externalize, like making sure that their people who work for them have livable wages and making sure that the people who created the clothing also make livable wages and not having these factories take advantage of their workers uh, and kind of putting thoughts in different places and pushing focus onto that which is amazing, but it does allow for some discrimination in some groups. And then also I find that you're looking at what the materials are made out of. And even if they are sustainably sourced, are they ethical? An example of this that comes to mind is merino wool, which is more environmentally friendly, uh, biodegradable, and also they thermoregulate, awesome stuff. But unfortunately, there are ones that are classified as Things that are ethically sourced, they take good care of their animals, but they're shipping the woolen from, I believe it's New Zealand. So you kind of look at it and going, wow, <laughs> okay, so you're still taking part in this, this the globalization, global economy, while also taking into consideration the amount of emissions that are being created by transporting these fibers across the world that's via air or cargo ship. And I know this is just a small portion of a bigger picture, especially economically, but that's why at Ainsley on, I'm not an economist. I do not claim to be. I unfortunately don't know a lot about it. I did take Econ 203, 
Um, so big shout out to my U of C students who had taken that course. But yeah, so things like that, unfortunately, have kind of this external cost surrounding it. Maybe it's not sustainable. And you kind of have to ask yourself the question of, is this sustainable? And what I was kind of getting at earlier with the brands that me and Ainsley were talking about is that they can't externalize these costs because they're making things either in Canada, locally, uh, with local vendors, uh, making sure everybody gets a fair wage, a livable wage. There are costs to it, unfortunately, and that cost is put onto the consumer, which really highlights our purchasing power and shows how important it is where we put our dollars. But a lot of these things do retail for two to three to four hundred dollars for a sweater, um, which unfortunately as a student is a little bit of my price range. Um, so with that, I think it's more people who can afford more ethically sourced stuff should because I'm seeing a lot of stuff that unfortunately is uh, unsustainable that people are still purchasing uh, just to remain trendy. Um, I don't blame them. It's always good to look nice, good to feel nice. But that being said, I don't really want to shift blame onto the consumers. Of course, you more or less compelled or need to take part in the economic model that we are currently in. Um, and that's kind of why I'm really excited looking into more circular economies because people are more liberated when it comes to choice and don't have that crushing pressure and almost guilt that is associated a lot with purchasing and how your purchase can affect the environment. Speaking of environmental degradation, I'm going to use that as a transition into another one of our SDGs or sustainable development goals I brought up earlier. So we've talked a lot about responsible consumption and production. And now I want to move on to sustainable development goal number 14, which is life below water. So when it comes to life below water, uh, there are a lot of ways to look at it. First, I want to start off talking about how much water it really takes to create clothing items and also how much of that water is polluted goes back into the ocean. And secondly, I wanted to talk about microplastics you get from washing uh, clothing made of polyesters, acrylics, and other synthetic materials. So the UN states that in order to make a pair of jeans from growing the cotton to the final wash takes about 7,500 liters of water, which is just shy of 100 full bathtubs, if I did my math correctly, which is a lot of water. <laughs> Holy cow. And shirts take about 2,600 liters to make as well. So when you're looking at these numbers, keep in mind that Canadians on average purchase around 70 new pieces of clothing per year. So this multiplied by so many shorts uses a lot of water, uh, which unfortunately will soon become more of a scarce resource from what I've been learning. So it kind of highlights how we have to be more cognizant of what we are buying and how much we are buying. And then that brings us to microplastics, uh, which I find particularly interesting. So microplastics, as mentioned earlier, are small pieces of plastics that make up your synthetic clothing. And when you wash your clothing, they tend to leach and break off into the wastewater. And I believe it's about 40% of microplastics in your clothing will end up in the ocean at some point. And these microplastics are toxic for wildlife and humans. Uh, in wildlife, they normally end up being consumed and ingested where they get stuck in the digestive tract of marine wildlife. And ultimately, the microplastics fill their systems, giving them the sensation of being full when they're actually starving to death which is just such a cheery little piece of information. They do also impact human life as well because we do end up eating the animals who have already ingested them and also because the microplastics are already in the water cycle. Uh, they end up going through our water systems and we end up digesting them and ingesting them, um, which can lead to cell death and allergic reactions and a plethora of other things. And I know I said I want to focus on water, but with microplastics being said, I wanted to talk about a book I read in the summer of 2020 when I was living in Whistler, 
called Slow Death by Rubber Duck, which is a book by Rick Smith and Bruce Laurie uh, that goes about the toxicity of things we use in our everyday lives, like plastics. So you can kind of think about that and amplify it to a degree of microplastics in the ocean and how much that is affecting the ocean as well, which obviously needs to be protected with the increased rise of ocean acidification and a species dying and pollutants. Unfortunately, it's not looking up for the ocean. So anything we can do in order to help the ocean, like by reducing the amount of microplastics we pump into it by buying more natural fibers and materials and just less clothes altogether. And that's kind of why I put a little bit more emphasis on natural clothes as well. Kind of when I was talking about like merino wool and things like that, it's like, yes, here's a natural fiber, but there are downsides to each one like that. That was shipping. And then with other ones that are made maybe closer to home, there's going to be microplastics in them. So I know it's like super multifaceted and it's it's hard not to be like, well, can I like really do anything? Like it is like I, I am the problem. Um, so just remember, like, there are issues with it, but they can be fixed uh, with a little bit of thought and a little bit of effort and time put into it. And I don't want to sound too, like, doomsday, and I know there's a lot of environmental anxiety around um, just the pressure you have to be very environmentally friendly um, and kind of put thought into every purchase, but I promise it's not as hard as you think it is. I put some tips and tricks at the end of this podcast to help you guys kind of navigate around that. And that being said... These things can be mitigated uh, if we adapt a more circular economic model in order to have extended lives on the articles so people aren't purchasing as much and therefore having less of an impact. And with more natural fibers and materials allows for less microplastics to be leached into the oceans. So it is all just a big, you can see when you're kind of looking at a circle, you're like, okay, well, everything impacts everything. And by making these small changes allows for people to diminish Uh, and regulate their impact and their footprint. So hopefully with this, you can kind of see the complexities of sustainability and how your purchase uh, and actions ripple throughout the entire world and what they affect as if that's life on land, life in water, uh, different ecosystems, as well as the economy and ethics and all of that. So it is such just an overarching umbrella um, that is sustainability and sustainable fashion. So leaving you guys off with something, I thought I'd offer some tips and tricks on shopping more sustainably or just how to shop more sustainably. Like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, it's always good to thrift uh, if you can do it some thought behind your purchase. Uh, Buying secondhand is also good and keeping that economy circular. If you're looking to shop firsthand, just keeping in mind the ethics and sustainability behind the product and the company, you can always do a little research to see how they kind of stack up against other companies. I know a lot of them do have rating systems on how kind of ethical and how good they are, quote-unquote, whether that's like greenhouse gas emissions or social issues around their company. Personally, I like using goodonyou.co. This is not affiliated with them. Um, It's just one of my go-tos. I also try to look at sources outside of the company's sustainability reports to get something more unbiased. So that's always good to look into. Also, you can always buy products with more natural and reusable fibers, kind of like hemp and wool, uh, and things that are a little bit more sustainable and natural. And at the end, just kind of do the best you can. I also recommend avoiding trends and sites that capitalized on fast fashion. Because I know there are some sites and businesses that sell clothes for ridiculously cheap. Uh, Actually, one of my friends bought some the other day from a place. And they were telling me how they got like eight pieces of clothing ranging from dresses to pants to shirts and skirts for just over $30, including shipping, which was insane. Um, Honestly, it was 
flabbergasted, for lack of a better word. And I know how tempting it can be to purchase from places like that just because you get so much bang for your buck. But keep in mind, these companies are making profits on these items um, and doing so by using cheap materials and taking advantage of labor. So I guess just try your best to buy local as well. Um, there are so many local artists and shop here in Calgary you can go to and check out. So I strongly suggest you guys do that as well. And one more thing I wanted to sneak in today. Um, I do also urge you to check out the Sustainable Development Goals. Again, I said earlier in the podcast that there are 17 of them. Um, and it's really cool to look through them, see the kind of work that's going on around them, and kind of how to integrate them into your own life. So after all that being said, I do recommend everybody listening to just take into consideration more when you're purchasing your purchasing power as a consumer and kind of looking into different brands that have a more sustainable and ethical sourcing and look out for circular economies because I know a lot of brands do already have initiatives that allow you to bring in old garments and stuff and have them fixed in either in-store or you can return them for a rebate on your next purchase from them. So always good to look out for these things. Always good. Nice little pat on the back. Uh, doing something good for yourself. Doing something good for the earth. Always makes you feel good. Anyways, it's time to wrap this up. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining me. I really appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day and listening to what I have to say. An extra thank you if you're able to make it all the way through to the end. Like I mentioned earlier, this is my first time recording the podcast and dipping my toes into the podcast pool, if you will. I had a fantastic time recording today, learning the ropes and talking about sustainability and a bit about environmentalism, and most importantly, learning more just through the research for this podcast and talking about it. You just listened to the Keeping Green podcast on CJSW 90.9 FM. If you'd like to listen to the podcast today, you are able to find past episodes with the former hosts Ian Perry and Emily on CJSW.com. Just click the podcast tab and look for Keeping Green. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.